0: Hello friends, if this is your first time here, then welcome to Marketing with Purpose. And if you're returning, then welcome back. I'm so happy to have you. So my name is Monica Pitts and I'm your host today. And I am gonna talk about eight hidden things every website needs. I'm basically on a mission to eradicate the web of naughty, mean girl websites. Because some websites are literally like mean girls. So what I mean by that is there are some sites that just, they just totally stink, right? You look at them and you're like, this website stinks. But there are also a lot of sites that are quite lovely on the outside. They're really pretty on the outside, but they're like mean girls on the inside. Basically, they're shallow because they lack the things that they need to be compliant and well-rounded websites. Now, when I say compliant, I I mean, compliant can mean a lot of things, right? It needs to be compliant with Google because Google has expectations of websites that it uses to determine whether or not it's going to share your site with people who are searching for things that you might offer. There's also user expectations and then also the government. The government has expectations in certain parts of the world and certain states of the United States. And... I really think the only reason that these websites don't have all the necessary components to make them compliant is because website design is a lot like the Wild West, right? Anyone with ambition can stake a claim. But I mean, hey, there's more than enough gold in this mine, right? Some people need to have professionally designed sites while others have DIY sites. Some people are building websites for the very first time and it's this growth experience. So there's an educational gap that we need to bridge. And my goal today is to give marketers and business owners and executive directors the vocabulary that they need to push for a website that's as great on the inside as it is on the outside and to make a checklist for web developers who don't already have it to improve the websites that they build. I'm going to talk you through eight things today briefly that every website needs, so it's not a mean girl. And the first six things on my list, they're pretty simple and they're easy to attain, but they're often overlooked. So even if you are just a beginning web developer or slightly tech savvy, you can totally tackle these six things and they are gonna make your website better. Now the last two, I feel like I really do have to mention for like the good of all website kind, because they're ridiculously important, but there are a ton of components that make them happen. So I will go into them in depth in future podcasts, but I will mention them briefly today. All right, let's get to business.
1: If you're a natural born marketer, you're one lucky son of a gun. If you're like most people, marketing, especially online marketing, is about as appealing as standing in a police lineup. The May Create team of creatives has transformed websites and digital marketing from craptastic to fantastic since 2005. Our podcast, Marketing with Purpose, makes sense of marketing so you can make purposeful decisions instead of carrying on with the same old crap you've been doing. And now your host, Monica Pitts, founder of May Create, with another episode on how to make your marketing not suck.
0: To get started, I'm going to list off these eight things that every website needs, and then I'll go through them each one by one. So first, you need an SSL certificate. Second, cookie compliance. Three, tracking. Four, a privacy policy. Five, a custom favicon. Six, unique page titles that actually make sense. And then seven is ADA compliance. And last but not least, number eight is fast loading. All right, so let's start at the top with an SSL certificate. Now, most major web hosts offer an SSL certificate with your hosting space. And if you're not sure whether or not you have one, all you have to do is pull up your site and then look at the URL in the browser. So the URL is your site name, like www.maycreate.com. Look at that up in the top of your browser. And if it has a padlock next to it or if it has HTTPS, that S is really important in front of it, then you're golden. So you can just like pat yourself on the back and just move on to number two because you're covered. Now, the main purpose of SSL certificates is to protect your website and any sensitive data transmitted to and from your site, like a credit card, username and password information, identity specifics and more. But even if you're not collecting that information, you still have to have one. Like this is a rule. This is a Google rule you have to follow. If you don't have one, then Google might block your site or stop serving it in search results altogether. And that is like a super bad deal. So you need to get one, period. There you go. So moving on to number two, cookie notification. If you've ever wondered about all those like cookie consent pop-ups, those things that are popping up at the bottom of websites these days where there's a button that you click, what they're for, or if you wonder, like, why cookies have been under so much scrutiny, well, I'm going to give you a brief introduction to cookies. And I have my very first podcast, like, ever, that I ever published, was all about cookies. What's all this cookie business? So you can go back to number one, and you can listen – all about cookies for, I don't even know how long I talk about it, but, but yes. Okay. So let me get to the point here. So cookies are a type of message that's given to a web browser by a web server that allows websites to store information like on your physical device. And they're not scary. They serve a lot of purposes really. And one of the biggest ones is improving your user experience. Now, while cookies mostly are site specific, so there are only four specific sites, major ad platforms like DoubleClick and the Google Search Network and Facebook Audience Network. They have cookies on lots of websites. And because they serve ads all over the web, they can track users' behaviors across a lot of sites. And when they combine all of those user patterns, they can develop very rich user profiles about visitors. And some people are really, really creeped out by this. I mean, justifiably so. So now we have some pretty specific rules that we need to follow as site owners to keep everyone safe and happy, especially if you're in California or in Europe. Um, There's like varying shades of gray as to how you would implement them. You pick your own shade with what you're comfortable with and what your location requires for those compliance mechanisms. But at the very, very least, you do need to be letting visitors know that you are using cookies on your site. Now, once again, if you want to learn more about cookies and and how to make your site compliant, you can hop back over to my very first episode, which is What's All This Cookie Business. Okay, so number one was you needed to have an SSL certificate. Number two is meeting cookie compliance. Now number three is tracking. You need to have some way of tracking visitor behavior on your site. Now I know that that cookie stuff sounds nasty, but really there is no shame in tracking, none whatsoever, and. You do use cookies to track visitor behavior, and that's okay. It's actually essential as long as you're upfront about it, right? As long as you tell people, this is what I'm doing, it's all good. Because how people act on your site will help you make decisions about how to make the site better for them, not just for you, but for them, right? We're all about having the best visitor experience possible. Now, my team uses Google Analytics And you might even have it installed on your site and just not know about it. (laughs) I actually talked about that in a recent podcast, how to tell what people are doing on your site. So if you want to check out whether or not you have Google Analytics installed, you can just hop over there and listen to that podcast. Now, if you are 100% compliant with the European Union and the General Data Protection Regulation Act and e-privacy policy regulation, uh, 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 basically all the rules in Europe and California about cookies, then you're not going to get a whole picture of what people are doing on your site by just using Google Analytics because you can only track visitor behavior when people opt into the tracking because you have to give them the option of the cookie right but you can complement your Google Analytics data with other basic tracking information from things like server-side tracking where the server that hosts your website is literally tracking what's going on on the website because that doesn't require a cookie um, and there's other non-cookie tracking plugins as well that are compliant with those rules so, We use a free version of WP Statistics on a number of websites for this purpose to kind of round out that data. But you can also, if you're not in Europe or California, just tell people, hey, we have cookies on our site and use it anyway and click OK and they will and it'll be fine and you'll be able to see everything about them for now. I'm not saying forever, but for now. All right. So. That was number three, tracking. So moving on to number four is a privacy policy. So if you collect information from your website visitors using an email form, or if you gather donations or allow people to register for events or sign up for a mailing list or, you know, track visitor behavior like I just suggested, you are actually legally required to have a privacy policy. Like if you are using Google Analytics, you're legally required to have a privacy policy. And a lot of people don't know that because it's in the fine print, but it is important, right? Um, Your privacy policy is really just meant to inform visitors about how you collect information. So you're going to tell them how you collect it, how it's used, if it's protected, or if you're going to trade it with somebody else. And most people are real honest and they're not trading your information, But it doesn't just talk about their personal information, it also talks about the usage of cookies and whether or not you plan to contact them through your marketing and how to contact you with questions about your privacy policy. Now the tricky thing is, is with the cookie stuff that's going on out there, the privacy laws are continually in flux. And so I usually don't suggest having like a stagnant privacy policy on your site for our clients, we actually use a service that builds and hosts the privacy policies for their site on the privacy policy generator site. So it's always updated with the most up-to-date legal information, and it's just part of the service that they provide. It's just the best way to, like, CUIA, right? Um And then once you have your privacy policy built, even if you just wrote it yourself, you just put a link to your privacy policy in the footer of your website, and then you're golden. And, you know, you're meeting all of the rules and regulations. All right. So number five is a custom favicon. And I admit that you can totally see a favicon, (laughs) but it's really small, okay? And people often forget about it. So the favicon is like the it's the teeny tiny picture that shows up at the top of your web browser on the tab. That's where you're going to see it. So all those tabs across your web browser, the pictures that are showing up next to the the title of the tab up there, those are called favicons. And they're, I feel like they're about as cool as getting an email address at your domain, right? Like that's pretty cool. It's like the icing on the cake of having a professional website. Now it is like a 16 by 16 pixel icon. So it's really tiny, but the purpose of it is it helps people like me who have at least like 20 tabs open at all times, locate your page easier when they have multiple tabs open and it maintains your brand in front of them as long as that tab is open. So that's pretty cool. And if you don't have your own favicon on your site, then it's either gonna default back to the favicon of the software powering the site like WordPress or Wix, or the favicon of your hosting provider. And really, I mean, let's face it, both options are just not nearly as cool as putting your own mark on the browser tab. So this is a way to help both brand your company or organization and add and reach user expectations for the site. Okay. And number six, which is the last easy one is having unique page titles that make sense. So your page titles are in a lot of places. (laughs) They're like, I, I mean, I don't even think that we think about all the places that our page titles are. I made a diagram about it once upon a time to explain to people why they were important. And I will not explain that diagram right now because that would be annoying. But first off, Page titles are important because they tell Google and potential web visitors what they can expect to learn on a page. The title displayed in search listings, like on, uh, um, yeah, like on search listings, you get what I'm saying, right? So you search for something and then all the stuff that displays afterwards, those are search listings. So all those titles, they're pulled directly from your website. And then also the title that is on the top of a browser, like on the tabs next to the favicon, those are all pulled from your page titles and they might actually be different from what you have at the top of your website's navigation. So you have all those buttons across the top of your website. We call that navigation and they might have different names than what your page titles actually are in the page tabs. Gosh, I keep using the word page over and over again. No, and the browser tabs, and then also um, on those search listings. The title that's referenced in search listings and in browser tabs is actually pulled from the code of your page. It's called a title tag. Some people also call it the meta title. And if you think about those search results, they're like an ad. You're trying to get somebody to click on it. So, you need to make sure that you have a page title that really makes sense and tells people what's on the page so they'll click on it and go to your site. That's how you meet new people, right? This is your introductory pitch to them is on that page title. So, it needs to be unique, not the same as any of the pages on your site. And it also needs to make sense to them. And also note, that the SEO gods frown upon using the same title more than once in a site. They don't like that. So you'll want to keep each page title unique just to appease them. And once again, it absolutely needs to be relevant to the page's content because you want people to click on it and go to the page and hang out and read the stuff that you had there for them. All right. So those six that were quick and easy that you can probably attain all by yourself are an SSL certificate, a cookie notification, installing tracking, having a privacy policy, a custom favicon, and a unique page title that makes sense for each one of the pages within your website. All right, so now whew, for the good of WebKind, we are going to talk about the last two. These are so incredibly important and there's just so many factors that weigh into them, but I have to talk to you about them because this is, you know, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission for the good of webkind. So the first one is ADA compliance. That's number seven on our list. Now, part of ADA compliance revolves around the structure of your website. And then other parts of being compliant are actually relative to the elements that you have in the page itself. So it's like the code and what you see. So there are so many different components. I, I, like I said, I'm not going to go into all of them here. Um, But I do have to point out that as a site administrator, you have a responsibility to make sure that your site is usable by everyone. And at the very least, you you can follow these couple rules. So make sure that the colors that you choose for the words and the background of your site provide enough contrast that a colorblind person can see your content. There are a lot of colorblind people out there, especially if your target audience is men. A lot of men are red green colorblind so making sure that there's enough contrast between elements that they can see what is on your site super important you can use modern coding techniques like divs to build your site not tables those are so 2000 (laughs)
1: like
0: my first websites that I ever built were all built in tables and that's just not how we built websites anymore we don't do that um When you build something in a table, it does not allow a vision impaired person's screen reader software to easily read the content in the correct order. It's just going to jump all over the place and it's like putting together a puzzle of things that are out of order. It's gross. Like you don't want to do that to somebody. Don't put a bunch of text on the page as an image because screen readers can't read that. And like, neither can Google. So if you want your site to be found in search engines and you want to allow vision impaired people to see the content of your site, you have to actually put it into the page using HTML. You can't just export this graphic and put this graphic with all these pretty words on it on your site. Nobody, they can't read it. Like they can't read it. Um, And so that is just a huge disservice to you and to them. You also need to make sure that the links on your website actually look like links. They have to have enough color contrast between the link and the rest of the stuff on your site that you can easily recognize them as links. So if you're not sure whether they look like links or not, then just make them blue or underline them. But if they're just like light gray and the rest of your text is dark gray, then there's probably not enough contrast or gray, blue and gray. Anyway, that's kind of going back to the colorblind thing, but that's also a usability quotient. They need to be obviously links. I am a human being that is going to click on things that are underlined every time because I think they're links, even if they're not. The same thing goes for buttons too. If it's a button, if, if if it's in a box, it's a button, friends. Okay, don't just put stuff in a box unless you expect people to click on it. Okay, now last but not least on my quick ADA compliance punch list here, don't have stuff that moves and blinks so fast on your website. Like it needs to be slower moving or you actually could just allow people to choose to play a video. When you have stuff that's moving and blinking all over the place, it can throw people into an epileptic seizure. Man, I didn't say that right. Epilec- epileptic, epileptic, epileptic seizure. Yeah, see, I got it. (laughs) We got it together. All right, so that's just not nice, right? And it's annoying to people who aren't going to go into a seizure too. It's like hard to focus on what's important on the site if you've got stuff that's just like zooming all over the place. Okay, so making sure that your website is ADA compliant. It doesn't just ensure that people with disabilities can use it. It makes it easier for everyone to use. These things that I just described to you things like making sure that your colors have enough contrast using modern coding techniques actually using text on a page when appropriate and not images links looking like links not having stuff zooming across the page these are just nice right it makes it easier for everyone to use it and we could all do this it's a nice thing to do okay so now last but not least Number eight, and I'm going to do a whole podcast about just number eight. I'm pretty excited about it. I wrote like this whole explanation of what, of how a fast loading website is like a glass of water. Yeah. Oh man, you're going to have to join me. That's just going to be riveting, riveting stuff. Okay. Number eight is fast loading. So a fast loading website is like the perfect marriage of form and function. You have to make sure that the things that you can see load quickly and the things that you can't see load even faster. <laughs> At this point, Google's algorithm is actually insisting on fast loading sites. It rewards fast loading sites and it docks slow loading sites in search results. So slow loading websites are actually dropping in search rankings right now. And even if you don't care about Google, right? Like maybe you don't care if you ever show up in a Google search, whoever said that, that's kind of crazy. Um, consider your website visitors, right? Because no one likes to wait. People will abandon your site before they even get to it. And that's a signal to Google that your site sucks. I'm just saying. So in the end, it really doesn't matter how gorgeous your website is if people never get there, right? They have to see it to know that it's beautiful and that, all that pretty, it's just going to go to waste because people will not sit around and wait forever for it to load. And your load time on your website is impacted by so many different things. Like I said, I'm not going to overwhelm you with the details right now, but I will break down that full formula for fast loading websites in a future podcast. So for now. I just want to encourage you to take the time to check your website's load time. You could use a free testing tool like Google PageSpeed Insights or Uptrends, that's U P T R E N D S, or you could even check out my boyfriend GT Metrics. He's so cool. When I found that report, I was like, "Whoa, now I can actually really dig in and see what's going on." I feel like they give you probably the closest to English version of things that you can do to improve your site. The other ones you are like, I don't even know what these words mean. And I'm a web developer and I don't know what the words mean. So hey, check out my boyfriend GT. I swear he does not pay me to say these things. I just found him and I'm so in love with him that I have to tell everybody about GT metrics. So I have a number of videos and, man, stuff about how you can run it and what it all means and blah, blah, blah. So you can go check that out. All right. So those are the eight things, those eight hidden things that every website needs. So let's go through them just one more time. An SSL certificate, cookie compliance, tracking, a privacy policy, a custom favicon, unique page titles that actually make sense. Those are all easy things. You can do all of those things with just a teeny bit of tech savvy, okay? And then the last two things that I encourage you to learn more about are ADA compliance and how to make your website load quickly. All right, so now you can, like, crush your website's inner mean girl. Like, lay her to rest. You can use this list to, like, carve out exactly what you need to do, Because you deserve a website that's beautiful on the inside and on the outside, right? And so does the rest of the web and all of your visitors. So thank you so much for joining me for this riveting episode of Marketing with Purpose. I really had fun talking about the eight hidden things that every website needs. And if you enjoyed this podcast or if you learned a thing or two, please go out and review us wherever you're listening because that will help more people find the podcast and learn all about the dorky things that I talk about on a weekly basis, right? Okay, so thanks again. And until next time, go forth and market with purpose.
1: Thanks again for listening to Marketing with Purpose. Head over to maycreate.com, M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E.com. Yeah, you heard me right, M-A-Y-E, create.com. For podcast notes and more resources to grow your business. Don't let your marketing suck. Get your pride on Market with Purpose.